Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Welcome to the Women in Tech Weekly Remix episode. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hey, I'm Wes Kale. I'm co-founder of Maven, and we make it really easy for creators to build engaging live online courses. I'm based in Toronto, Canada. Well, before starting Maven, you know, rewinding five, six years before, I co-founded the Alt-MBA with Seth Godin. And the Alt-MBA was really one of the first commercially successful cohort-based courses that really kicked off this entire category. So back then in 2014, when Seth and I were first designing what eventually became the format for core-based courses, online learning, you know, the default format was pre-recorded courses. And, you know, thinking about how do we get a bunch of people on the internet together, learning and collaborating, working on projects together, critiquing each other's work, giving each other feedback, all entirely online, you know, was, was this possible? I was kind of skeptical about it, but... Since our first cohort in 2015, I was blown away by how bringing the right people together online, giving them the guardrails for the course and introducing themselves, introducing them to each other uh, created such a vibrant community. So people were meeting each other off of our official channels. They were creating their own Slack channels. They were DMing each other. They were, they were creating subgroups, you know, outside of the subgroups that we had created for them. Um, and we had we realized that we had stumbled on a format that could work and could scale. So I was at Alt MBA for three years and scaled our dream, our idea from zero students to thousands of students in 45 countries and 500 cities. And after three years, I thought, all right, you know, was there something in the water at the Alt MBA that allowed all of this to work, or is there something about the cohort based format that was special. And so for the next two, two and a half years, I worked directly with other creators to help them build and create and grow their courses. So I worked with Professor Scott Galloway at Section 4, with Alex and Austin, the co-founders of Morning Brew, with uh, David Perel at Rite of Passage, Tiago Forte at Build a Second Brain, um, Outlier.org, which was started by the co-founder of Masterclass, so really going super knee deep, obsessing about core-based courses. And along the way, I realized that every one of these creators, every one of these organizations had the same struggles and challenges on the technical side. Creating a core-based course was such a labor-intensive slog of a process. We were cobbling together a bunch of different tools, ranging from Zoom to Slack to 
Podia, Kajabi, Teachable, Mighty, Circle, using Zapier to stitch it all together, using Google Calendar and email to remind students of when upcoming upcoming sessions and workshops were. And so students were confused because we were pointing them to a bunch of different platforms. And then on the operational side, the course creator side, it was also a headache to have to manage all these different platforms. And I personally have stayed up way too many nights trying to troubleshoot and debug why one integration stopped working all of a sudden, you know, why a zap stopped working, why this, you know, stopped being able to do the thing we wanted it to do. And I realized that creators don't want to be messing around with the technology. This is not the thing that they are excited about. They are excited about engaging with their audience and teaching what they love and, uh, and talking about their craft, but they do not want to be troubleshooting tech. So, so that was really the, the inspiration for starting Maven was just wondering, like, I can't believe no one else has built a platform yet that was catering to this, this, this swelling, this growing groundswell of core-based courses, this trend that I was seeing. Um, and so, you know, when Goggin and I got back in touch last summer, um, about a year ago, we got on the topic of core-based courses and realized that both of us are really excited about this being the future of education and thought, you know, if no one else is building something for this, why don't we build it? Hey, this is Helena Belloff, a data scientist at Levels Health, which has a mission to solve the metabolic health crisis by showing members how food affects their health through continuous glucose monitoring. I'm based in New York. So I feel like data science started to sort of emerge, at least for me, at least, you know, where I was noticing, okay, this is like an entirely different type of field, probably the year after I graduated. Um, So that was 2014. So probably 20 or 2014. I'm not that old. Uh, 2018. uh, So probably around 2019, honestly, more recently than you would think. Um, math and stats and comp sci have been around, but they've sort of been treated as these separate entities, even though a lot of the stats students I knew undergrad also knew how to code. And uh, yeah, I feel like it didn't really become a more formal thing until a few years ago. It's interesting, even becoming a podcaster, when I first started podcasting in 2013, I mean, no one really cared about podcasting other than people who were in the underground world of podcasting that were super hardcore technologists that knew how to move like audio files from, you know, <laughs> hardware to hardware. It wasn't it wasn't what it is now. It was it was ludicrous to start a podcast at the time. And so I remember that kind of transformation in 2014 and why. And I think the the things that that spark that transformation are so interesting. You know, what happens in the world to start to create a shift that ends up taking mass adoption and going mainstream. It's just really fascinating how it all starts. Yeah. And I think data science is becoming even more relevant now because of the amount of data we have. Like, there's just too much data. You cannot get away with you know, old school stats that, you know, these equations have been around for hundreds of years. And uh, yeah, we need computers and we need people who understand math and data. And so I think that's really what one of the reasons why this 
this sort of field has been propelled. If someone were to wanted to follow in your footsteps and get into data science now, what would you recommend? Like what blogs should they follow? What groups should they be paying attention to? Uh, what's what's the accessible thing that they could do to start on the right path? Uh, so I, I started out actually just doing some Kaggle challenges. So there's a website called Kaggle where, you know, companies or Can you spell it for us? K-A-G-G-L-E, Kaggle. Uh, and you create an account, it's free. And there are companies or people who will post data sets and, you know, propose questions to solve. And actually, for some of them, you can even win money, uh, which is really cool. But, uh, you know, you can download these data sets, play around with the data, see what's interesting to you. There's a million different types, too. There's like every industry on there. And, uh, you know, you can submit them and publish them and get sort of a grade back. Or you could not. I I rarely submitted any. And um, yeah, I would say that's like a really good first step just to see if solving any these types of problems would be interesting to you. And then I think the next step would be, you know, pick a pick a coding language to learn. You know, I, I the first language I learned was R. I taught it to myself. Um, but there are a lot of online guides these days. Data Camp is probably one of my favorites. You can do a lot of the lessons for free. You, the, you know, you can learn how to code in R or in Python and and just sort of get a feel for it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's just English with different grammar, every coding language. So Hi, this is Lauren Kelly Chu. I am head of clinical product at Levels. Levels helps you see how food affects your health. I am based in Oakland, California. The last question is a difficult question because I'm operating on not having it, so I'm not sure what would happen if I did have it. I have a pretty limited social media engagement or presence. I have an Instagram. I think I have two posts on it. Um, I'm not saying this is the ideal thing that people should follow. This is just uh, my personal, it's just what's, what's happened over time. I think that social can be really a powerful connector for people. I have friends who use it to really reflect who they are. And I think they do so in a really beautiful way. And they share that with the world around them. And I think that's an amazing thing. Like they're contributing to the overall intelligence and beauty and creativity of the world. So I I admire them for that. I think in terms of being successful in the business world, part of it is just what context you're working within. I think as, as you were saying at the beginning, if you're in a setting where you're not as connected in the physical world to people, I think it can be amazing. I mean, you can connect with people all over the world. Um, I should probably do more of it. So this will be inspiration. But I do think it's possible to to not. And the the great thing about not doing it is you have more time. Or I'll speak for myself. I believe I have more time. I'm not sure that that's true. I haven't, I haven't, that's the null hypothesis. <laughs> it is true. And I do not want to inspire you to be on social. Please stay off social. Trust me, it's a better life. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll take your word on that. And, and at, at this point, I, I, I don't have a social skill set. So I would have to, to build that, which would probably take even more time. So it, one day. I don't know if you know, but I've been off social media for two months. So I just returned to social media yesterday. So 
I have very clear understanding of what life is like without social media and what life is like with. Now, I wasn't like off 100%, but I was off 99.9%. I maybe responded to like a, a couple a couple messages. Like it was close to nothing. And it was proactively not posting. And I mean, I could get into a whole thing about the psychology of my experience, but I... From my experience, your life is better overall without social media. Well, I appreciate that. And I, I think the experiment you did is so interesting. And I've done a similar but different experiment where sometimes I just turn off my phone, which is even more extreme, I guess, considering I also don't have social media. So then I'm really just off the grid. And I love doing that. I, I love it. There was one period in my life where I, I backpacked for four months without a computer or phone. But I find that as each year goes on and, um, you know, our tech companies, et cetera, build us into this world, like where at one point we could just do our banking and now we have to have our phone to do banking and et cetera, or whatever it may be, it feels more intense to cut it out. And it feels like you're making so much, it's like a lot heavier of a life choice to say, I'm going to turn off my phone or I'm going to not just, it feels like um, we're being forced into being more integrated into it. Do you agree or disagree? I agree. And I've especially noticed that working for a remote company where recently my Wi-Fi went out in the building. Or it, it didn't go out. I recently moved apartments and I had a little bit of a challenge with Comcast. So I didn't have Wi-Fi for a while. And it was amazing how little I could do and how ungrounded I felt in that and disoriented. And it really made me realize just how dependent I am on it. And not just that, but that it's really connected to my work, my personal life, almost everything. The only things really that I was able to do that are part of my normal routine that I could still do were to move my body. I went out Which and I so went for important. a walk. It, yeah. it is. So maybe that's the lesson here is, is move. Is, right. Exactly. <laughs> move, move and move in as many ways as possible. Definitely. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.